0: W-O-R-A-M and F-M, New York.
1: I'm I'm walking through Times Square under that fantastic sign that says the Bible in uh, cinemascope, widescreen, ultrascope, erotic color. It's spread out all across the sky there and the lights are lighting up. And in the middle of it all, there's a guy walking right down the sidewalk there with 16,000 people. And of course, you know what Times Square is like, you know. (laughs) Anyway, he's walking down Times Square and he's got a big sign holding it up. It's about 15 stories high, it looks like. It's got a big high pole and on the top of the sign simply says, sin now. Pay later. Which I kind of think puts it in sort of a nutshell. You know, that's not a bad idea. I wonder where it is. There must be some place where you can put it all on credit. Sign for the whole shebang, you know, as we go go marching towards the edge of the cliff. If you were to select music to go over the cliff by music to go into the abyss with uh, alongside the whole crowd you know entire mankind is with you Bring ta up there, man. It's funny how... Huh? How surprisingly uh, realistic a lot of this stuff gets. Although I remember I did have an uncle. You know, it's a strange thing. I had an uncle who was in World War I. And uh, this uncle, for example, he had as an umbrella... Stand. He had a gigantic shell. It was one of these big Bertha kinds, and you know, a big bronze shell. It was about three and a half feet tall. It had been shot off at somebody. He just had the cartridge on, there it was, and he had his canes and umbrellas and fishing rods and stuff. And that was the first thing you saw when you came in the house. And then after you got closer into the house, you know, the, the different things, he had, uh, for example, he had 105 shells cut off for ashtrays. And as uh, paperweights... He had things like thirty oh six cartridges, the paperweights. And, uh, he was my nice uncle. And actually, he was not a warlike uncle. He just was something very basic about this thing. Now, if James Bond did not carry guns, I suspect James Bond would not be nearly as attractive to people. I mean, he carries big Roscoe's. Uh, <laughs> you never heard that expression? Isn't that an, is not that not an expression used here in the East, Roscoe? You don't use that? Well, uh, I I remember as a kid, one of the first times I ever heard it said was the time that my father was working in this office. And a guy came in and held up the office where he was working. My father was the cashier in this place. And uh, my father came into the house, and my mother said, what happened? And my father, first thing he says, my father says, well, this guy came in, he was wearing a mask, and he pulled the biggest Roscoe out of his pocket you ever saw in your life. And I'm sitting there, I'm a little kid, you know, and the idea of a guy pulling a big Roscoe out of his pocket and pointing it at my old man's face and saying, hand it over. And the old man wasn't particularly scared. He was kind of amazed. He pulled this Roscoe out, pointed it right in my face and said, all right, hand it over. And he says, it may come as something of a surprise to you, but um, this is a (laughs) stick-up. And that's exactly the way. Have you ever been around when somebody got held up? You ever been around when something happened like that? Believe me, so help me, it's never the way you think it's going to be. The only time I was ever anywhere near a real newspaper story of that kind, you know, the sudden crime breaks out, I could not believe it. One long, hot summer. You know, whenever I see that title, the long, hot summer, I am reminded of my own personal long, hot summer. I was going to college, and I got myself a summer job, working in this radio station in Cincinnati. And directly across the river was this festering town. Who, boy. Well, every time I think of Covington and Newport, Kentucky, these are festering towns. The heat lays down. On the Ohio Valley, right in that area. The Ohio River's right there. See? If you don't know your geography, Cincinnati lies in the very southernmost end of Ohio, way down at the end. And it's kind of like a country by itself. John Gunther, in his book, Inside America, and he said if people were to ask me what were the ten most cosmopolitan towns in the United States, I would have to list one, New York, two, San Francisco. Three, Cincinnati, a curious city. Now, he means cosmopolitan. He does not mean European. He means cosmopolitan. It was largely settled by Germans uh, back uh, around the turn of the century. And, in fact, the entire area down there is called the Rhineland and the Queen City of the West. And it's a strange, isolated town. Well, directly across from Cincinnati, the river there must be a mile and a half wide. It's a giant river. And across that river, there are two or three suspension bridges that lay from Cincinnati across to that dark, lowering shore with the great, towering hills that go higher and higher and sort of roll off to the west. That is KY, Kentucky. And that's a kind of mysterious land to even the people who live in Cincinnati. It's just a very different world. You know how the Jerseyites are very different to people who live in New York somehow Living in Jersey is a whole new mystique. Well, multiply that by 500, and you have the difference between Cincinnati and Kentucky. The accent is different. Everything. All seen. And the heat. Oh, who boy, the heat lays there. And across the river, in Covington and in Newport, these two towns lay there. And they're they're famous for a lot of things. Let me tell you. These towns really, really go. And and at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning on Madison Avenue in Kentucky and out across in Newport. The towns are wide open, wild, just not not the kind of wide open like uh, Times Square, but a different kind. They have juke joints. Uh, this is a, a Kentucky version of the discotheque, uh, a great big red and green jukebox over in the corner there, and it's playing Elvis Presley records. Hound Dog! It comes out night after night, and the sound of twanging guitars lay out there across that brick road. Just like snow drifting down out of the sky, you can hear those guitars and those banjos are twanging, and you can hear those, those strange nasal voices. And the one sound that you hear at maybe 3 o'clock in the morning is the sound of guys roaring up and down the streets that have come up from Hazard, Kentucky and Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. Yeah, there's a town called Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. And they roar up and down the streets in their hot rods. They're really not hot rods. Uh, there are forty seven mercuries There are fifty three Fords that have been channeled, cut down, and painted purple. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And you go Whoa! get out of my way, yeah, uh, wow. Well, that's life among the Aborigines. It's really something out there. It's a wild scene. And so I've got a I've got a pad above a jewelry store. And so uh my apartment was never dark, man. never It was lit from the outside by red neon lights. No matter what happened, I pull the shades on, it comes through. It soaks in through the walls and you can feel the jukeboxes. It's like 170 degrees all the time in there. And I could smell the catfish in the river. And once in a while out on the river, the riverboat would go by. I don't know whether any of you have ever heard the sound of a stern wheeler going past a block and a half from your house with the calliope going. It is a wild sound. Yeah, you can hear it drifting at 2 o'clock in the morning. You hear boop, 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 That would be when it was on its trip out. And then when it's coming back, the calliope is turned off and all you hear is choo That's the way a paddle wheeler sounds from a block away. Drips into the landing down there and then boop, boop, and that's it silence well about a half a block down the street from me was the wheel in diner how about that for a name the wheel in diner a peculiar homogenous joint and it had a great big neon wheel that reached up about 75 feet in the air you know like a truck wheel and it was one of those that spun around and go to Wheeling, it would say in, in green Wheeling, a big red wheel and then it would be a big arrow that cut right across it said eat 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 and all the time it's pointing Wheeling, wheeling. well I, every night about about two o'clock three o'clock in the morning i couldn't sleep in this sweat box i lived in and i could hear the jukeboxes going and there was a guy who lived directly behind me Uh, Right across the court, the court was about seven feet square, and this guy lived in the rear apartment, who was a cab driver. And he would drive in at exactly two o'clock in the morning and beat up his wife. Uh, he would drive in I'd hear that Ford that Ford cab come in and I would hear it pull up behind my apartment under the window and I knew I'd be lying there in my sack trying to sleep see oh well, it's hot and I could hear way off in the distance the calliope and I could hear the jukeboxes going i hear the knife fights breaking off down at Delaney's uh, all this oh they had fights up and down the street constantly and, uh, kids uh, big type people people with minks everything fist fights the whole scene anybody and I'd hear the roar of the hot rod <laughs> <laughs> They're always making with the brakes, you know. And then I would hear those Kentucky boys. Get out of my way. Who are you talking to like that? I could smell the catfish. And I'm lying there. And I hear that guy's Ford with the bad tappets come in. It stops. Silence. Plunk. And he's mad. Boom. He has lost $40 on the ponies. You know. Boom. Slams the door. And then I hear. I'm lying there. Here it comes. Silence. And then I would hear the first. Boom, her head hitting the wall. I'm
0: going to kill you one day, Clem.
1: i want to kill you. Oh, yeah. Boom. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, come on. When I first moved in there, I used to holler out at him, you know. And then it, uh, it turned out that I was making the wife mad. So I gave that up. <laughs> so that was the way it was. All right, now you got the picture. Well, every night when I found I couldn't sleep, which was every night, about 2, 2.30, I would get up. And remember, I had a radio program at 5 a.m. So I would get up, and I would walk down onto that brick road. I would see the purple Fords going past and hear the yelling and the hollering and the guitars crunching over other guys' heads, and I could hear the knives going into the ribs. And I would walk down to the middle of the next block to the wheel-in diner. And it was brightly lit. You know how diners are with the big white lights all over the place and the chrome and the stainless steel and everything. It was very antiseptic. And always back at the counter is Clem, big fat guy. He's back there and always say, hi, boy. That's Kentucky. Hi, boy. And there there was a woman there named Emily who worked behind the counter, big fat blonde who had rings all over her. She had uh, big earrings that hung down to her knees, you know, that kind of stuff. And she's working back there with a white costume. I'd come in. I'd sit down in the middle there. I had two or three guys, truck drivers would be down at the other end, a couple of truck drivers would be at the other end, and then there would be two or three people on what euphemistically were called dates in Kentucky. Uh, (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) You never saw more adenoids in your life. And uh, I'm sitting there. No, it's really a little surprising, you know, to see a pair of adenoids come in with feet. Literally, you know, with a hat on top. And uh, they'd sit down there at the other And i hear this voice is twanging. The jukebox starts roaring out. Ernest Tubb record is booming out. Or maybe the Delmore twins are racking it out. Or, or uh, Grandpa Jones starts singing. I want to come back to you, baby. Pow. I want to come back to you now. Pow, pow, pow. Oh, boy. So I'm leaning back there. I always would come in and get myself a vanilla malt was the only thing that was cold. You know, it Was Cokes were sweet, and I'd sit there and drink my vanilla malt and eat a hamburger and sort of kill time. That's all. And the neon signs are flashing. This is really American life, you know. This is pure, distilled American life. Well, one night I'm sitting there. It must have been about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, just sitting there. Clam his back at the cash register, one of these big chrome jobs, you know, sitting there picking his teeth, reading the police gazette. uh, The the big old waitress is putting some more pies into the case. Everything is going normal. A couple of clots are sitting up there in the front there with their jackets on. And their, you know, the little hats with the white bills, their motorcycle-type things. The world is going along. When suddenly the door opens. They had these sliding doors. And it was an air-conditioned place. That's really why I came there. And they had these little sliding doors. (laughs) And the door slides open. And in steps a chick. A chick. A real chick. She was about... 18 years old, and she was sort of dark-haired and looked very, very civilized. And I said, well, (laughs) hi, George. And the chick comes in and sits down at the end booth. They had little tiny booths in her. She sits at the end booth. Clem starts to get up. He's going to walk over and see what she wants, and he's got a couple of menus in his hand. And Clem walks over towards her, and in then came her little brother. Her little brother looked like he was about, I'd say, 10, 12, something like that. This kid comes in. And he's wearing a sweater, you know, a little sleeveless type sweater with a pair of chinos. And he sits down there with her. And Clem goes over and says, "Well, what do you want, folks?" And the girl takes the menu and she looks at it. I'm eyeing the chick, Sam. You <laughs> <laughs> Things are picking up here. And so I turn, you see, and I'm watching her now in the mirror. They had a mirror right back at a bar, see. And I'm sitting there watching her and drinking my malt and knocking down the cheeseburger and I'm trying to play it cool. I'm sitting there saying, oh, well, she's got to see this profile. Eventually, she's got to see it. See, I'm watching the thing man. I'm giving her the eye and she is paying no attention and she's sitting there with her kid brother. Clem goes back around the counter. And now he gets a couple of pieces of pumpkin pie or something. He comes out with a pie, and he's got the Coke and the candy or whatever it is. And he goes back, and he puts it down in his little chit-chat. And he comes back and sits down there, back at a cash register. And I'm watching that. I'm slopping up that vanilla malt. Oh, if you have never lived until... You have heard somebody sing through one nostril at 3 o'clock in the morning. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Well, that's the way they sound. They go in and out, you know, night of... I'm sitting there and the life is just rich and full now. Ernie Tubb is roaring out of the jukebox and I'm watching the chick. Yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm really on the makes. Yeah, looking at the scene over there and I'm knocking down the malt and, And Clem is looking at me. See, Clem realizes that old Shep is going to go into high gear here any second now. And he's looking at me. You know how fat men grin? He's got that fat man grin, you know, just half grin there. It's a little unshaven. And I'm watching the chick. And she's looking in her purse. See, I see she's going through a purse, and I figure, well, you know, she's gonna get out the, the compact. She's gonna do a little nose dusting. This is the thing that men know, you know, whenever they get the attention of the chick, somehow they get a little flustered, you know, and they start lighting cigarettes or something. So she's I said, ha, we can even make the scene here. I'm scoring a little bit. And she reaches down in her purse and she pulls something out. That is the first time I have ever seen a blue steel compact. I look again, you know, I can't believe it. She has got a Roscoe mat that must have weighed four and a quarter pounds. This thing was at least a 105 howitzer. I never saw anything like it. I sort of scrunched back. Without saying a word, this chick gets up and walks over to Clem, holds this thing up, and said in a nice, clearly modulated voice with just the touch of a southern accent, This is a stick-up." There was a silence that you could have cut with a butter knife. In spite of the jukebox roaring, Clem said, what? She just holds the gun. up, doesn't say anything. Just points it right at his head. He said, oh, I see. He gets up there. You know, he's a fat man. He starts to hitch up his pants. He said, pull up your hands. Oh, I see. And she walks back up the counter and hits the nose sail thing. Boing! With that, this little kid gets up, and he's got a knife in his mitt and a bag he comes over and he's shoveling the money in and there she stands with the Roscoe on all of us holy smokes what are you doing now, Matt? well, (laughs) she comes out from behind the counter and Clem is standing there with his mouth hanging, He he ain't moving, he's sweating the air conditioning is going, the temperature is 34 degrees in this joint and he's sweating he just stand there, he ain't moving an eyeball he isn't gonna move and she comes back from around the counter And she walks up to each one of us. She says, give me a wallet. Come on, come on, put it on the counter there. And each one of us reaches in his pocket and lays it out. Sitting there, boom, boom. It's the only time of my life I ever got robbed at gunpoint. Boom, boom. There is five wallets laid out along that four mica counter. Boom, boom, boom. With the ice water. Boom, boom, boom. Between the cheeseburgers. And there ain't a muscle being moved. And she just walks along and picks each one up as she goes plunk, plunk, in the bag. The kid's following her. And she's got the Roscoe, turns around, she says, I want to thank all of you. Backs out of the joint and then stops by the door. She says, stay away from the phone, count ten, and then you can call anyone you want. She slides the door open and they're out in the night. And we sat there for a second. And then out in the parking lot you heard, vroom, vroom, wow, eh, whoa. Off in the distance. I tell you, crime don't look the way it should look. I'll tell you that. It just don't. And we're sitting there, all of us, uh, <laughs> the whole crowd of us is sitting there kind of with, with that sweaty feeling inside. And finally, Clem said, I guess, uh, I guess we better call the police. And somebody sitting down at the other end of the counter says, What are you talking about, Clem? That won't do you no damn bit of good. And Clem said, We we'll better call him anyway. And the guy at the other guy said, okay, Clem, use your dime. You got a dime left? And so we start looking for dimes. We got no driver's license. The whole scene is gone. I've lost my $19, the whole bitch, you know. And so we start looking for dimes, and finally somebody comes up with a dime and goes around, you know, puts it back up to the thing in the slot and makes the call. And we sat there. Fifteen minutes go by, twenty minutes, and finally that big old car with that flashing red light shows up out in front. <laughs> a couple of these real big Covington, Kentucky policemen get out. Oh man. They get out, they come walking in, you know, they got the big black belts around their waist, you know, and a couple of Roscoe's hanging on each side. And they come walking in. What going on in here? Clemson says we've been held up. Yeah, well, all right. Let's have a description. All oh, of you sit down here, give me a description. it's uh he gets out his gets out his notebook. And Clem says, Well, it was a girl. A girl, kind of, kind of a dark, pretty girl, come in here. He said, "Oh, I know, that's Clara. Yeah, okay, that's Clara. That's Clara. Yeah, that's Clara. she has been knocking over joints, all right." She just come up from I believe, She come up in Louisville. Yeah, okay. Uh, what time is she in here? Let's see. What time's it now? It's uh, seventeen minutes past three. He so said, "What time? You figured about ten minutes to three. She come in here. Okay, two fifty-one. Uh, was she accompanied?" And, yeah, yeah, she came with a little kid. It looks like. Yeah, 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 that's Howard. Okay, Howard came in here. We're sitting there. It just don't look like Route 66, you know? This ain't the way it should be. <laughs> and one of the guys at the end says, You think you'll get him? think you'll get him, Sheriff? He says, I ain't no sheriff, but I don't think so, no. So I figure we'll get him about spring, maybe. We'll get them next spring. So they may. we'll get him. Don't worry about it. And somebody says, Well, what about my driver's license? And you just gotta go down to City Hall tomorrow, tell them that Claire was around, that's all. Maybe they'll find it in the river. Out they go. And I hear the sound. <coughs> <coughs> Off goes the fuzz. Well, I sat there for a minute, with my straw in my mouth. Clem sits down at the other end. And I'm reaching my pocket to pay. Clem says, it's on the house tonight. <laughs> We're all bustling. <laughs> I go out I go out into the darkness now. It's now about quarter to four and the heat is laying down on me. A couple of mercuries go by and I can hear the jukeboxes roaring out of the next juke joint. And I can hear Ernest Tubb wailing in the darkness out there, and somewhere off in the distance the old paddle wheeler is getting ready to make its first morning trip. <laughs> <laughs> Life is rich, life is real, life is life. I'm the sheikh, the sheikh of Araby, <laughs> and your love, baby, belongs to me. Some night when you're asleep, <laughs> into your tent, I'll creep, 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 the stars above. Bring it up there, man. Love. Da pa 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 pa, that's about all you can do. Sit here and pick your teeth and whistle the Sheik of Araby. Watch the moon go by and figure it all work out in the end sometime. All work out. Keep your knees loose. Be ready to jump in any direction. And by the way, be careful of chicks that carry blue steel compacts. That's an entirely different breed. Just an entirely different world. Entirely. How'd you like to go juking tonight with old Shep, huh? How'd you like to get out of Big Jack's tonight, huh? We're going to have ourselves a lemon coke. We'll sit around and pick up a little little old gal or two, huh? You want to go down there and do a little juking, huh? Put a couple quarters in the jukebox and hear old Ernie tub. Sing about you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make my life. Hey, you want to go down and do that, huh? Or would you like to go down and maybe just sit around the Bluebird and have a couple of beers, huh? Like to do that in Tennessee Williams country? Yeah, life is real, life is earnest. See you tomorrow night, gang, after the big old basketball game. We'll just hang around a corner and knock out a couple of cheeseburgers and see how the birds fall, huh? This is W O R A M at FM New York. Now, would you please hit the uh, money button in there, George, please? Miller Highlight, the bright, clear
0: taste in beer. Miller Highlight, the champagne of bottled beer. There's only one champagne of bottled beer. Sparkling, flavorful, distinctive. Miller Highlight. Brewed only in Milwaukee from a century-old recipe, Miller High Life has a rich heritage and tradition, a bright, clear taste, unequaled, unquestioned, unchanging. Available on tap, in cans, and in the familiar crystal-clear bottle, Miller High Life is always sparkling, flavorful, distinctive. Enjoy Miller High Life yourself. Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. Yes, Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. Hello. Hello, is this Kloppman's grocery? Oh, yes, ma'am. It doesn't sound like Klopman. Well, Mr. Kloppman's waiting on a customer. I'm I... not a customer? Oh, yes, ma'am. He'll be right here. Who has time to wait for Kloppman? You write down my order. I want two pounds of sausage uh-huh. and... And two pounds of Parks' famous flavor sausage, okay? What Parks? I didn't say Parks. Well, you want the best. I'll wait for Klopman. Only Parks' famous flavor sausage has such an extravagant blend of spices and seasoning. Such quality. Listen. Bring home the sausage, be a hero Yes, bring home the sausage, P-A-R-K-S Sausage to win ya Sausage that's braver Up from Virginia Park's famous flavor Bring home more Park sausages, Mom Listen, you got such a great product Why are you standing in a little corner grocery store Singing on the telephone to a middle-aged housewife?
1: We love you Oh, man. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of middle-aged housewives, this is WORAM at FM New York.